Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of Detroit Dart Talk. In the studio today, we have Connor McGaffey, Tim Hool, and a few special guests right Jesse here. Jesse Carvix. And Jackie Carvix. <laughs> That's right. Founders and creators of the Foam Dart Launcher line of high quality adult toys and <laughs> Nerf do- <laughs> Dart Blingy toys. <laughs> wow. And, uh, um, and, uh, and myself, Eric Shellman. Uh, <laughs> there's going to be an overarching theme for today's uh, today's uh, topics and conversations, and that's the Blaster Tag Association and specifically uh, the Ion Rush format for the Atomic Dart League and how the Detroit Dart Club and the Detroit Dart League was started. So just to give you guys uh, an update, we may not go across most of our normal topics in the same way. We're going to just uh, go with it and see where we end up. <laughs> There's a little bit of dueling social media going on right now. If you Check guys out see- Instagram live stories. Is Actually, live no story? one's not. No one's. People are listening to this <laughs> many weeks later. So <laughs> That's true. That's true. That's, yeah. What if I watch? You can go and see it right now. If you want, you can uh, promote yeah. it to... Uh, I don't know. You can put it up on the Dark Club page, right? And then what's that? Can you boost it or like let other let people? So know? I'm I'm posting this on our Instagram. On stories. our Instagram, okay, good deal. Detroit Dart Talk, Detroit Dart Talk. But uh, yeah, and Tom couldn't make it today, by the way. <laughs> I should point that yeah. out. Going back, Tom's got school like usual, so he's gonna be uh, he's gonna be the temporary host. Yeah. You replaced me since I couldn't make it the last week. That's okay. You had important things going on. Oh yeah, cruising on the seven seas. That's right. <laughs> well, the Gulf, the Gulf one of Mexico. He abandoned his podcast host duties to go on a cruise. Yeah, it was great. Be jelly. So, yeah. So, all right, it's on. All right, nice. All right, now you can check it out. So but let's talk about projects we've been working on. Well, I guess we will keep it a little bit formal. Tim, what you got going on? Uh, I just finished up a basic Strife build, but the exciting thing about that is it is a Christmas present for my oldest son. I hope he doesn't listen. No, no. He's only 10. Um, But it's his first modded blaster. I started bringing him to the Park Wars with us, and he's he's a real tiny guy. So, like, I had a a Strife with a vector kit on it, and even that was too big for him to to hold with the the stock and everything. So just a basic Strife. Um, I'm excited to get it to him. So... Yeah, that'll be cool. And yeah. do you have a, is it like a HVZ kind of target build? What you doing? Yeah, there? it's a, a 43 uh, Crush, I think, with worker wheels and uh, uh, Michelle 2.0s. So okay. it's hitting like 115. Yeah, it'll be nice for you. Yeah, him. yeah. You know, no, nothing too crazy out the gate. Velocity proportional to his size. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then, I don't know, maybe in a year or so, I'll upgrade to an FDL3, and he can uh, start rocking the 2X. Yeah, that'd be cool. (laughs) (laughs) Hand him down the crap stuff. Nah, (laughs) no. The old old junk. (laughs) Anyways. Anything else, though? No, that's that's it. I know. I, I mean... I think there's been there's probably been a lot going on in our lives in general, but yeah, that's a big project too. Gets, and it gets busy during the holidays. Yeah. Connor, you got anything? Mm-hmm. Projects mm-hmm. Nerf related? Just uh, getting ready for groups and big groups. This Thursday we have a 90 person group coming in, which will be good. Um, hoping to lock down some really big groups this month, and because this is like end of year party season, so working on that. Uh, recovering from being sick for about a week, so Yay. luckily. It was a slow week when that happened, so. I got sick on the cruise. Oh, I no. Did like, you? At, at the very end. Well, I mean, I got sick on the cruise. Uh, what kind of sick? <laughs> uh, Costa Maya sick, my uh, friend. Oh, no. 
yeah, yeah. no, it was. Uh oh, but I did get actually sick. Oh, we got connection lost. Our guests are frozen. Pause. I don't know if you guys can hear us. We're gonna do a pause. Cut. <laughs> I wonder how long they were frozen. Pause. Terribly sorry about that. We, yeah, we uh, actually lost the signal for that whole time. It was just gone. And I don't know. We went on a scavenger hunt and found it. So here we are. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. we moved thinking it was our fault. And then when we realized it was your guys' fault, we came back. Uh, did you hit record? Yeah, we we'll go. Okay, All super. Right. Okay, so where did we We were at off? projects we've been working on. Connor was talking about sort of what's been <coughs> happening in the facility here. Yep, just been busy and all that, and yeah, yeah. You mentioned I think it. I think it's all it. That's all recorded. Maybe you're not rea- your reactions yeah. aren't to it, but <laughs> all right. Three, two. No, I'm kidding. But <laughs> yeah. So Connor, you've been uh, scheduling a lot of groups lately. Uh, that's sort of your big thing for the the busy season, as you call it. Yep. Right? Just get as many book bookings in as possible this time of the year, and mm-hmm. just being on top of it. Try and ride right out the, yeah. the slow season. Yeah, and then uh, just keeping up that customer service face with yeah. the customers. Ugh. It can be hard. I imagine. <laughs> My favorite email is the one that's like, call us. <laughs> and I'm like, or we could keep communicating on email. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, where there's no expectation. Yeah. And, well, I, and need, I need to communicate in email because I need to have like a, I, a, path a record. That you yeah. Exactly, because people yes. will hear what they want to hear and they'll come in and... Well, and I'll be like, we didn't discuss this. And, and not only that, I mean, if you're dealing with 20-plus groups a week, it probably gets hard to keep track of who wants what. I have no recollection of any conversation I have five minutes after the phone call. <laughs> so another yep. reason why I need email. Yep. Yeah. I do the same exact thing. That's why I say message me or email me yep. because otherwise I won't keep track of it. My, yeah. vo- my voicemail is literally just like, um, <laughs> it's like, go to the website. And if you have any, don't see what you're looking for there, email us, basically. Like, yeah. Yeah. I think the first time I ever sent you a message, which was just inquiring about what open play was. Oh, that's the worst. I get that all the time. No, the worst <laughs> is like, when should we come for open play? I'm like, I don't know. Yeah. Like, it was, for, for me, it was <laughs> it's unpredictable. I knew, about, I knew about Nerf at that point, and it was like, I suggest you bring people. And I my question was something along the lines of, like, <laughs> do you – uh, have modding events or things like oh, this yeah. before I get, it before I knew anything about our yeah. club in the area, so it was like uh, yes. well, luckily I learned about other clubs in the area and was able to refer people. And now that we're in a location that can accommodate, I can be like, hey, Z one three nights. And we all got that. things happening. Yeah. yeah. So I'll just uh, skip along to projects that I've been working on. There's really been one thing that I can remember. There's been a lot. Well, I guess there's two things. Um, the one sort of uh, fun, frivolous project that I've done was uh, what people call a retalicon, a retaliator and a recon. Um, I, I managed to, through the kindness and organization of some of my fellow Nerf communities, which we have an awesome Nerf community. I just want to, if you guys are listening, which I know some of you are for sure, you guys are the best. Just bringing things together, bringing free blasters, pieces of blasters, helping people out when they're looking for something. You guys rock. In general, the Nerf community all together you rock but here especially we have really good uh really good people here who want to help out but um i was able to assemble a crimson recon uh thanks to a few people who came together tim being one of them i think tom was the other one and maybe there was somebody else in there i'm not sure but um trying to turn it into a retalicon uh so i got some worker parts just the basic basic worker parts 
and uh, getting uh, the polycarbonate pieces inside to make it a little bit stronger, a little bit bigger spring load, and hopefully be more, um, you know, powerful by a little bit, you know, just for some fun around the house kind of stuff. And uh, I got I got that apart, got it ready to go, and after I uh, had pulled the pin out of the recon, the original recon plastic bolt, or not bolt. Um, the sled? Yeah, the sled. the sled, yes. After I had gotten that pin popped out, I was trying to put the worker piece in there, and worker is stupid tight on the tolerances, and I snapped the recon bolt. Oh, no. So it cracked right in half. <laughs> well, time and, for a new sled. Get an yeah. aluminum one. No. Th- those won't crack. <laughs> I definitely don't need that. I'll just, I have that, but not for this. This just needs a plastic one. So I'm kind of uh, stopped dead in the water for that at this point. But, uh, you know, it is what it is. Um, but it was fun just to see the fact that the worker stuff dropped in without any special cutting, any modification, nothing like that. So you could just put these parts in, and it was held in place by this little nub in the front. And, uh, you know, that was it. You know, cool. didn't have to ruin the shell at all. Assuming you, you did need to buy the, um, they call it the anti-explosion preventer or something like that. And it's a piece of metal you stick in the back of it so that the spring <laughs> doesn't come out of the back. But it's nice. an anti-explosion <laughs> device. <laughs> something silly like that. I can just see it. You go to prime your blaster and it explodes in your face. Yeah. So uh, people love to name their blasters. What exactly, it reminded me of this. People like to name their blasters. So I thought I'd name my uh, prophecy. Uh, that I actually purchased from Tim, and I named it the Vengeance Transmitter because I was reading <laughs> worker. Yeah, I was reading workers' instructions, and they called the um, the actual like p- the the barrel, uh, not the barrel, the the bolt or the the piece that interfaces with the barrel. Yeah, they yeah call- their instructions are ridiculous. Yeah. They, they called it a Vengeance Transmitter, and I was like, oh my god, I love this. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. My favorite name. So I just had to name the whole blaster that. My, my Crimson Recon is Red Sonia. Yeah, that's a good name, but that makes sense. Yeah. I don't know what it means, but you've sense. never seen the movie Red Sonia? No, sure. One, one of the one of the old Arnold Schwarzenegger movies. It, it's like right in the era. Isn't that of, like of Hunt the for Red October? Or something? No, no. That's no. <laughs> <laughs> Sean Connery. I've not seen that. What? It, it's it's almost identical to the Conan movies. It, it's, really? Yeah, he's playing the same character. Oh, cool. Pretty well, he, not in name, but in you know. Genre, it's it's the same type of movie. Loincloth genre, right? Yeah, yeah. So sweet. Um, there's that, and then uh, I'm just gonna throw blaster shop stuff in there. Working on the uh, production for PETG. I finally got PETG dialed in, which has nice. taken so much time. Um, so I got PETG to work, and after all the tuning and settings and things, got the um, just had to raise the temperature about 10 Celsius. And it, I guess what it does is it helps the, the plastic be more fluid, the hatchbox. So you guys, FDL folks, you guys know about hatchbox and all the much more interesting filaments out there. Um, I was, I've been trying to get PETG to work um, for semi-production stuff. So I'm just, I'm, you guys, just to give you a little background, um, I have a very small shop right now with, uh, called Blaster Shop, uh, spelled B-L-S-T-R instead of the traditional way, so you can call it Blister Shop if you want. (laughs) And and my buddy of mine and I, we work on it, and the only thing that we're really focused on for production preparation right now is a scar barrel. It's a scar barrel that quick releases off of your barrel on the uh, Fitzcaliburns, and it has adapters for brass and common aluminum sizes. And nice. it has, yeah, and it's got an internal adjustment mechanism that's self-contained, so there's a little knob that you can press on the outside. So um, anyways, that piece, I wanted to make it in PETG just because I want to have some 
I want to work in those materials if I can. Um, I just don't like the PLA. Nothing against you guys. Don't take it anyway. But I just don't <laughs> like the, the melting potential of, uh, of PLA. That she doesn't come in glitter. So, I mean, that's not... <laughs> so yeah, I, if you prefer the explosion potential. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, because I've heard about... Yeah, I've heard mine pop a few times. Oh, no. Are you frozen? Oh, Can you hear us? No. Oh, hey, oh. hey we're there back. We Hey, yeah. It's just later. We saw you briefly for a minute, and we heard your entire conversation. Thanks for the shit talking. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah you couldn't defend yourself. Perfect time. <laughs> Are we recording? Yeah. Okay. So we're back on recording. Well, anyways, about PETG and how yeah. much you apparently hate the explosion potential of PETG. No, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard it pop a few times. Where if I've had it out for, yeah, I know it's the moisture in there. It's like the it only happens on the end where I've kind of like held the um, held the the filament. I'll hear it pop once or twice when I'm feeding it in, and I'll be like, "How gross are my fingers?" That it's like you know. <laughs> Like, come yeah. on, I just washed my hands, or maybe that's the problem. But. No, we've had, I had one roll of pet tea that, uh, like, was really brittle, but it stuck to the bed. Like, the whatever we were printing stuck to the bed so hard that you had to kind of pry it off. And then when you pried it off, it, like, essentially shattered into a bunch of multiple pieces as it came off. Well, that's wow. miserable. That was that one brand. But then there, were, I had, like, a roll of Hatchbox, too, that was totally fine. Yeah, that one was so, fine. Yeah. So I don't know. The maker uses those too. I definitely cursed Hatchbox's name for a, like a month. I think one of the guys <laughs> in our club just actually broke his glass bed. Yeah, he did. He ripped PTG pieces out. of his glass out somehow, which I imagine he used a sharp tool. <laughs> I don't know. He's like a knife to dig it out or something, is how I imagine. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Oh, we use woodworking tools. It wasn't. It wasn't a day until I had cut my hand on the woodworking. Tool. Oh no! Like the first like month that I was do- starting to learn prints and everything. Yeah. When you say I wood- hate. Oh, sorry. When you say woodworking tool, I'm imagining like a chisel like you'd use for a yeah. lathe. Or yeah, or I can get it. It's a big yeah. one. <laughs> yeah. It's like a big chisel, and then I grind down the edges now, so that nice. when you put it in and twist <laughs> it, it doesn't poke into the, the bed material. Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah. I use, um. so for the one thing that I always have a problem with, my prints come off just fine. I know you're in the uh, Prusa world right now as well yeah. with the, I have the i3 Mark three, and mm-hmm. that flexible bed plate. Uh, that's, that's it's beautiful. Nice. You guys just got nice. one of those, right? Yeah, yeah, we just got our first Mark III, and it's like the most wonderful <sighs> thing in the world. Yeah. It's so quiet, too. It's the most quiet yes. machine I've ever heard. Yes. I mean, you know, we can circle jerk around Prusa all day, but, you know, people who don't like Prusa already don't like Prusa. It's inappropriate so, language. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> but um, I love it. I think it's the greatest thing in the world. It's one of those things that people don't understand the small features that make it fundamentally more enjoyable and pleasant to use that is why yeah. you buy that and why you pay more money for something like that it's mm-hmm. the, the things that are hard to say and explain like the filament change functions you know it just it raises the head up for you and gives you room to pull the old filament you know the dangling bits out of the way it's just little mm-hmm. bits like that that are nice the slurbs the slurbs <laughs> I have, depending on what's coming off the nozzle, like the longer ones, like the schnee, like it just, they... He's developed an entire vernacular around this, clearly. And I clearly didn't know about it either. Oh, yes, you did. You laugh at me for it all the time. Is that where the schmedium screws came from, too? Oh, my God. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah, a little bit. 
little bit. What are the schmediums? Uh, I, I was asking about the stock screws because one of mine is stripped. Oh, yeah. He, I've got a replacement goes, we call for those, you. I keep forgetting oh, to tell you. I got he could, he's card. like, Jesse was like, yeah, we call those schmediums in the shop. <laughs> nice. <laughs> we have names for the other ones, too, but we shouldn't say them on air. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, off air, then. But, Tim, I forgot. I have a thread-cutting screw to help you. Oh, awesome. Um, it's a tri-lobed thread-cutting screw to repair that hole. So Sweet. I right, forgot. Cool. I just haven't brought it. Oh, no keep problem. Forgetting. No problem. Um, so that'll repair the the hole in the P, the the stripped out bit of PLA. Awesome. So awesome. it's kind of nice. Um, so what I'm talking about is um, Tim's got you know nature of printed parts. You're gonna end up with some damaged bits and pieces. Um, but we're gonna give a try to this um, thread cutting screw that has like three lobes in it instead of being perfectly round, and the lobes extend farther out than the standard um, diameter of the screw, so they should cut into new material. And sort of reform that connection. Sweet. That's cool. Yeah. I mean, you can just get any side panel. Is it a side panel? No, no it's, it's the stock it's attachment. Stock attaches to the blaster. Mm, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a little bit longer of a print. Yeah. yeah. It's one of the top ones, so it's the. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah we'll recut it. Hopefully. <laughs> we'll try. I say it with confidence and it'll happen. Yeah. Yeah. But what have you guys been working on? That's what we want to hear about. And <laughs> we're coming up on Christmas time. So we're in like the ultra push to get everything out in right time on. for Christmas. Can you uh, can you talk about your like your queue? How many like you have in queue? Is that I don't you know feel free, yeah, feel yeah, free I, to not, but it's, she knows it's better. Yeah. Than yeah. um, I mean, typical for us because our lead times are anywhere from four to eight weeks, depending on where you're catching us in season. Mm -hmm. um, we our cutoff was three weeks ago, two three weeks ago Sweet. for yeah. holiday delivery. So nice. we've had an obvious ebb with it not being as busy because people can't get something for Christmas. But now we're getting all of the people that have been coming to different atomic events or seeing people playing with blasters at other clubs and that kind of stuff. So it's good, but we have roughly 25 in queue right now. Mm -hmm. So we built 70. We're at five yeah. today and we're booked Number. out through like 93. Yeah. So you're talking so serial numbers. Out. Yeah. Serial numbers, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, Not just I, like I 70 points a week. I, I, my jaw, I don't know if you saw where it was, but it was below <laughs> the table, and now it's yeah. okay. Now we're we're back. So that's awesome. But There's I, some cool ones coming out, too. Yeah, I mean, so just yeah. looking at some of the color combinations we have over here just waiting to be built, there's just there's a lot of cool ones. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so do people, like, request, like, a theme or color? Yeah. Like, because the stuff I see on Instagram are, like, really cool, and I'm like – are they just like coming out with these on their own or are people requesting them or? Um, a lot of people are looking to match a certain theme or certain colors. Like someone sent me a picture of their favorite shirt from their college and it was like this deep purple and it was trying to match that purple as closely as possible. Cool. Um, one that we have right now for Joel from um, Shebang. Actually, I'll show you it real quick because it's really stupid cool. It's people are designing these in our color picker thing though. So, like, oh, what okay. she's talking about, she's just, like, guiding people towards the right color, but then they can go on that model and put the colors wherever they want them. Yeah, but then, like, this one, this is the same teal that Beret used, nice. um, but he, Joel was specifically looking to match uh, the zombie-themed nerf stuff, and that teal is, like, super, super close yeah. to it. Um, but, yeah, I mean, there's just so many cool things, and, like, I, since Jesse made the color picker yeah. which he's amazing um <laughs> now i just get to like help people build rather than trying to source film which is fantastic yeah that's fun yeah. the thing is <clears throat> super great for us oh my gosh 
Yeah, you've been moving towards that, you know, to make it easier. I think that's how any business moves towards eventually you're going to have a way that people can do it on their own. And then they have, they yep. have right. this, you know, more freedom. They don't need you to hold their hand. And they get it exactly yeah. how they want. It gives people kind of a toy to play with, too. You know, and then ultimately they want have their, their thing all ready to go. But yeah, putting the design in somebody's hand is critical for both us and them. Just, just so that they know, like, they can visibly see what they're going to get. Yeah. But then, yeah, so, yeah. yeah. also, like, on our end, um, for us to have a picture of what they see, too, is, like, really important. I can remember my, uh, my experience designing Invictus, and that one was... Uh, yeah, the coloring. Did we, you have a coloring sheet? Uh, no, I did not. We just kind of... I, I think the first version of the color picker was up at that point. And I think we maybe did it that way or no. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, but I mean, if you'd look back at our messenger conversation, it's probably a mile long and I'm sure that I was, I'm not your most difficult customer, but, uh, you were up there. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. She's like, I remember you clearly. Oh, straight to the heart. (laughs) Oh, you know, I'm. Oh, you're on Detroit Dark Talk. I know. I know. They almost said no just because of you. <laughs> wow. No. no, no, you're great. You're great. It's fine, it's fine, it's fine. Um, but I know you guys... <laughs> Jesse, I know you've been uh, innovating a little bit. I, I saw that you were working on the uh, the Magwell for a 40 Dart uh, magazine. Yep. That's something. Yeah, I've, um, I don't know, it's all good. I'm, work- I'm working on like five things simultaneously to tell you this. To tell you the thing. Well, you can probably hear yeah, us, but you're, oh, you're coming back. Oh, hold up, guys. Hold up just one second. You're while glitching out up. here. Well, it looks like you might be back. I see pixels in motion. So it, you're, you're <laughs> yeah, honestly working on like five things, I think is what you said. Yeah. Working on five so things. Totally not stressing yourself out. Just, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> we can hear Um you. The 40 mag thing was a big one. Um, so that was like, you know, worker came out with that 40 dart magazine and, you know, an FDL can always use a bigger mag. So I thought that was, that was pretty cool. Um, I, you know, that, that thought of like a double stack mag has been around for a long time. That is no like new innovation on their part. I think they just had the courage to do it, to tell you the truth, because, like, yeah. squishy darts in a double-stack thing are not the best thing in the world. But if you get nice new darts in there, it works pretty well. Um, you know, in, like, ADL, we have, like, a 50-dart cap per person. So the event that I, I tested it at, I had one mag that I ran. Like, I put 10 darts in my pocket, and when I got to, like, the third the third round or whatever, I could pull those 10 darts and kind of fill it up. And it worked really well. But, you know, there are those occasional misfires where you're firing. And there's two darts kind of stuck in the mag, and they don't work their way up. Um, so is that just a so, miss? Like the, the pusher just passes over the darts at that point? How does that go? Yeah, it's the way that mag is, it's really critical that, you know, they stagger all the way up. And the mag is actually thick enough that you can um, push each column past each other. Oh, wow. So, okay. Yes. Yeah, so if you had like thinner darts or something, they would probably ride past each other and it wouldn't work out so well. Um, but a nice new darts will kind of stagger in there and feed side to side. 
But if you get one that's kind of worn or like something happens where two of them simultaneously ride up and one of them doesn't stack higher than the one on the other side, then the pusher will ride over the top of it. Um, And the FDL pusher pushes so hard that it'll actually cut into them sometimes, like the bottom corner of the pusher. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's a bit of a bummer. But it it works, you know, 95% of the time it was great. And when it failed... It was a really easy clear, so you know it's it works well. I just want people to know like it's not going to work perfectly well. So right. like if I kind of over dramatic dramatize it or whatever, it's just for that. But I really liked it. I really enjoyed it. So it was reliable enough for you to finish uh, developing it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'll finish it up, and then you know, worst case, somebody has that for the funsies, right? So they have the mag well. And put a 40 mag in and then I've, I've already started working on like clip-in adapters similar to what worker has for the right. dominator but See, better yeah. <laughs> always but, uh, right on With so uh, you know worst case somebody uses those adapters and 90 percent of the time they use regular mags but then they have that option there if they want it um so yeah. it's yeah. that's going to be up to users i guess the other big thing that i've been working on is the proton pack that's oh, like boy. my little my personal project right now because you get real roped into like I'm building a hundred FDLs all the time and I'm working on FDL stuff. Like oh, yeah. I feel like for my own sanity, I have to work on something that's like for me, you know, right, and it absolutely. doesn't have to be perfect when it's released and stuff. So the proton pack has been really good for that. We, um, my son and I put the Jupiter together and I was really excited because I, this is a funny story. So I ordered it. And I got it, and I got the kit, and I was like, Aiden, check this out. He was like, oh, Dad, you ordered me a Jupiter. Thank you. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, no, that's not how this works, but okay. But he actually took it out, and he used it at ADL. For, like, an entire ADL game, he used only a Jupiter. Wow. And he loved it, and he, like, he did fine with it. Although, you know, my son is a foot shorter than most of us are, and he's really skinny, so, like, he's hard to hit, and he plays really well. So yeah, I've seen him. I didn't know that was your son for a while, and I eventually I figured it out. And I could see when I watched all of TK's live stream from the yeah. last uh, the last event. You guys had the drone footage, which was sweet. That was really good, and yeah. and I I realized like he's pretty good. Like he can fit behind things without you know breaking his back like us old men. Yeah. <laughs> what did uh, yeah. what did TK call? He wanted to call you guys the Grumps. The what was his name? He said today. Uh. The gr- the Gramps and the Grumps, the team name that he came up I with. Remember. I can't remember it. It was something like Gramps and Grumps <laughs> mixed together, and a team one of the team names he was proposing for you guys. For yeah. the, when there's like a, well that that's public forum. Yeah. So when there's like a larger event, um, you know, coming up soon. So, yeah. Yeah. He was. It, it was funny. But uh, yeah, so that's a lot of projects that you've got going on because even though it's the same project, at least you have fun with a different one. The Proton yep. Pack is something that's big in my wife's uh, mind. She she plays with us as well. Um, yeah. she, she's not really into the modding per se or any of the stuff around it. She just likes to show up and play. But she very much wants to do a Proton Pack. So that's that's the next project that I'm going to build for her. She's already the best zombie on the field. She doesn't need to be the best human on the field, too. (laughs) Dude, no joke. His wife is the scariest zombie. Like, the second she gets turned into a zombie, we all run in fear. She's she's taking all of us. Yeah, pretty much. She's pretty good. Um, 
I actually, I can't, I really can't wait for Endwar with the proton packs because I know that there are at least four or five others like Oof. in the works. Oh boy! And uh, I, I'll be honest, I may put down my FEL and run the proton packs for Endwar because oh. it's just so intense. Like it makes it more. Uh, it's. I just love the dual wield action. Mm. Well, you can have your FEL strapped to the like that or. Is that the way to do uh, it? So I know that, that Luke Mata Darth oh, has a dual wheeled one. I think he has one that is a pack that has two feeders in it. Okay. I don't know. I've seen I've seen it, but I haven't asked him how he did it. Hmm. So my theory is he's got two separate feeders and systems in a single tank. Okay. Makes sense. Yeah, we talked to him about it at um, FoamCon because um, we approached him basically asking about the idea of how, uh, if it would be possible to do a dual feed system. And he was like, well, you could put two into your backpack. Because yeah. the, the, really the thing that takes up the most space is your hopper. So if mm-hmm. you wanted to, if you could find the right size or make the right size hopper for all your rival balls, you could fit two side by side. Of course, at that point, you're doubling the cost, doubling the complexity, but you're also doubling the reliability. Right. uh, I think, actually, so one of the guys that is building a proton pack found this four-gallon, like, weed sprayer. Mm -hmm. um, And he, so there is, like, a proton pack Jupiter group, um, Facebook group. And so we've all been watching kind of what we Yeah. (laughs) There's a group for everything. There's a group for that. But, uh... Yeah, no, it's, he found this this sprayer, and it's essentially two cylinders stuck together. So, like, that thing would be perfect oh, yeah. to, if you had a feeder on either side of that tank. You just have to figure out somewhere to put the blowers, because it's a blower into a feeder into a tube. It's a yeah. really, really clever. Fantastic. That's a... Okay, I'm joining that group. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, I, I want to outfit my wife in the strongest possible arsenal. <sighs> I just wonder. Well, it, it'll probably be for end war type okay. events, and so she can be on my team. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I think the benefit of that is for end war. It if you want magazines, you introduce a stress level that's not there otherwise. The stress of am I going to run out at the last minute? Um, when you have a hoppered blaster like a rival blaster, yeah. you reduce your stress load. And I think for for certain people, for sure, um, that makes it more fun. Um, not everyone mm-hmm. needs your zombie survival simulation to be realistic or wants yeah. it to be realistic. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. Uh, I think that's a perfect fit for it. It's it's the nemesis, but you don't have to even worry about it that as much as the nemesis. So yep. Connor ran a nemesis, actually. I did. Yeah, you ran a stock nemesis. Yeah, and as we're thinking right now, I'm like, how fun would it be to do a, just a lightning bow? <laughs> just get really good at the lightning <laughs> no, bow, like train all year round. You could just take people Single out. Single shot megas. You have like handful five of darts of and just keep going <laughs> at it. <laughs> it's a great idea, guys, obviously. Yeah, I like I, it. <laughs> <laughs> What's that? I remember seeing one guy with like a centurion, and he oh. was in the final stand too. Like I don't what? understand how people do that. We all walk out with the FDL and like eighteen mags strapped around us, right? But then you see that one guy <laughs> with the centurion with like. Six mega darts in his whole arsenal. Yet yeah. he's in the final. I don't understand. He that. probably didn't take a whole shot the whole time. Just yeah, honestly, he, he probably position. he probably was following TK's advice. You stick to the center and you live longer. No, I saw yeah. him on the side. We played so really? we played a mission where we rescued. Um, excuse me, my nose is a little stuffed. 
uh, we played a mission where we rescued a group. We had to go and protect them with Ariel or something. You know, they were like trying to get the tails off of Ariel or Ursula or somebody. And oh yeah. We came in and they he was in that battle and he was up against the brick wall and I saw him almost get tagged so many times. But what that guy had was he had reach and he had speed and he'd mm-hmm. like he'd pull that bolt on the centurion and just slam it like ridiculously fast. Like he was just like really really quick at the draw and fire. Wow. And yeah. Yeah, it was it was a little too cool. It was very The cool. other option is he was on glo- go slow but well, you know. On you what? play the first round and then come back for the final stand. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, that's true. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. I, I guess you could just before. say that you made it to the final stand. <laughs> I mean, yeah. No, we joke just show up. we joke with Bobo because Bobo's go slow taco or whatever, so we called him Go Slow Hotel this year. We thought we'd <laughs> shade his way. Oh. Oh, poor guy. What do they do the rest <laughs> yeah. of the time? <laughs> well, what you guys didn't really you had an S E N C group. You didn't have a, a full on uh named group from that area, right? Yeah. yeah so no, we just came up as the S E N C. Yeah, makes sense. No big yep. deal. Um, so I w- we want to get to the, the ADL topic, uh, we, yeah. but is, uh, Jackie going to rejoin us or is she off for a while? Uh, she went to make dinner or something, oh, something okay. involving kids. So she'll probably be back. Um, we'll have to get alternative opinions, uh, <laughs> when, <laughs> when she yeah. gets back, we'll get your opinion for now. So I, right. let's give you a little background and for all the listeners out there about what happened, what happened with us and what we did was, um, so the ADL Atomic Dart League um, is a part of the Blaster Tag Association and the Blaster Tag Association is uh, an international group that uh, is a sort of a holding ground and a place to help organize, provide resources for competitive nerfing events. Um, the Atomic Dart League is part of that, and the Ion Rush format is a game type within that framework and in that structure of the Blaster Tag Association. So the uh, SENC um, had a group that broke off. And, and maybe, Jesse, can you explain kind of how the, the ADL grew out of the SENC? I've heard a little bit of the story, but I'd rather hear your version. So it is actually, the ADL is not a, par- a part of the SENC, really in any way, shape, or form. Um, it sort of originated from it, um, and we call them sister organizations. Right That's on. basically how we how we designate them. Um, but the way it all went down is last. Wow, it's November already. It's been a year. Yeah. So last yeah. November, um, do you guys know chicken? Do you know the flying chicken? Yep. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so the flying chicken. Uh, November War last year, he comes in and he says, guys, we're going to do a 5v5 tournament. This is going to be totally different than normal. This will be really cool. And we were all like, wow, okay. Okay, let's mm-hmm. do this. And so we had like half our normal war, and then lo- the later half was the 5v5 thing. And the second that we all started playing, it was like like lights went on and fireworks started happening. Like this is we have all been waiting for. Like, you know, forget Plinkin seven, eight year old kids. Like this is what we all wanted to do. I know like like I played paintball when I was younger and I never played like speedball or anything, but Woods ball. it was a little more yeah. serious than Nerf. And I really like the whimsical nature of Nerf in general. <clears throat> but you can take that and you can make it a little more serious like a little more competitive. So we were all totally on fire about 5v5 and about competitive things. And like, 
I had seen um, the Hack EXE guys over yeah, in Singapore, yeah. like Quick Flag, and like they all have the like really freaking awesome like face masks that they play with and stuff. So like the image was there and it was really cool. And they were playing this really cool game. And then Chicken brought over this game for us to play at the SCNC. And it just like all clicked all at the same time. Um, so we were all kind of lit up on fire. And then me and Jackie and Drac went over to Scotland for the terminal infection. So in Scotland, there is uh, this guy, Neil McClory. Uh, he runs what's called Foam Dart Thunder. And then terminal infection was a, uh, I don't know. I don't want to say the term pseudo, but it was sort of like a pseudo HBZ thing um, that he held in a mall. And so Jackie basically got me a ticket, you know, plane tickets to go over there for my birthday. And we all went over. Um, and lo and behold, Neil was setting up, not only was he doing terminal infection, but he was also setting up what he called speedball. Um, and he said, you know, let's do terminal infection. And then the day after terminal infection, we have a gym that we're rented out. We're going to play speedball. Do you guys want to play? And of course we were like, yeah, we flew all the way to Scotland. We're going to play whatever you can give us to play. Yeah. Um, and it was like, it was basically what we did at the SCNC. It was, it was quick flag tweaked here and there, you know, and then the FDT speedball is you have four Artemis and one nemesis on each team. So the idea is you basically remove the blasters from the, the equation minus the one heavy guy who runs the nemesis or whatever. Um, so that was really cool. And that like lit the fire even hotter than it was when we played at SCNC. Um, so I came back and I started talking to TK. I was like, this is this is the next thing in Nerf. And like, you know, Jangular has been working on it on the West Coast with King of the Hill. And it just occurred to me, like, not only was this the type of nerf that I really wanted to play, um, but, like, I think people are really going to dig it. So I wanted to dig in, and I wanted to create, like, a league of some sort. Um, you know, even if it was just like, hey, 10 of us are going to get together, and we're going to play a different game than we normally put, than 315 or whatever. Um, but, you know, TK and I and Jackie talked about starting a league and kind of putting that all together. And finally, you know, everything just came together and we were like, okay, let's do this. We now have the Atomic Dart League and we're going to, you know, uh, get insurance. And like, we really wanted to do it in the, I want to say the right way, but I don't want to sound like, I don't know, condescending or anything. But like, to me, it seems like if you're going to have like a league, you should kind of have insurance and you could you should kind of have your eye on your members and stuff and you know it was just different than the SCNC like something like the SCNC is very casual and you come out and you kind of just play in a public park so like we wanted to take it a little bit different direction and get really focused um, so we started that and it's kind of just moved on from there um, I think we just finished game six is what we just did so you know in a in a six-month period, six period of time, we have acquired insurance. We've acquired an, a venue, which we realized like an indoor soccer arena is really the perfect venue for what we wanted to do. Um, and then we created Ion Rush. And for people who don't know what Ion Rush is, it's basically a derivative of Quick Flag. So, and like we give Mintu from Singapore, the creator of Quick Flag, we give him credit because 
at the heart of it, Ion is quick flag, but Ion is adjusted quick flag to suit how we play in the U.S. Mm-hmm. So like Singapore, they all run long shots, and I think the quick flag rules are like you can have a flywheel or something. Um, for us, we all run flywheels, and like there's a couple of long shots, and you know, but something like ADL is a really good place to have an FDL or like a high end sort of thing like that. And I really wanted somewhere for blasts like that to kind of be able to stretch their legs. And so that turned into the ADL and Iron Rush and all of it. And it's just like, it's been really good. I think we've done really well. And I think we've accomplished a lot in a short period of time, especially since you guys have gone and taken, taken the game and done it on your own up there. Like that is so cool for us to see. Cool. I, I can't even express how cool that is for like, wow, we created a game and then they're playing our game up there. Like that's, that's really cool. Yeah. It's, it was really neat to see. I think a lot of our members got their first taste of Ion Rush at End War when uh, TK was running it outside. And it, yep. it's a very simple, easy to pick up and fun format to, yep. to use the blasters that, you know, we don't get to pull out that often. The, Mm-hmm. The yeah, simple caliburns and FDLs and whatnot. Yeah, and simple would... is the number one goal too. Hundred percent. So yeah. You go, you go to End War, and you know, I'm sort of older in the Nerf community than most people are. Like I'm in my late thirties. I know Tim, you and I are similar age or whatever, yep. but yep. most people are in their twenties. They're used to playing a ton of video games and like really complicated stories and things like that. And then you go and play HVZ and they're like, here are 50 different directions and 85 different items for you to pick up. And, and I'm like, oh, I can't handle this. I need so, like one or two directions and I need like a really simple game that anybody can pick up. I relate to that very much. That That's like how the Dark Club is run. Everything is to the simplest form. We have, you know, yep. four, five, six different gameplays and it's got to be, there's like, it's very simple small variations off each other stuff i can mm-hmm. explain to like the general public too but also like it's just easy but i also think simple is like can be a lot of fun too it's like yeah you can also change thing something up very small and it makes a huge difference but yeah and where i loved but man i can't i don't have the attention span to like i was just like all right let's just survive shoot zombies right that's like yeah, that's yeah. what we're supposed to do right yeah. <laughs> and then uh yeah and it seemed like with a lot of people too, it was getting a little confusing toward, especially like the night mission and stuff. A lot of it was like mm-hmm. a little bit of frustration out there, but, but it's also very cool. And I like the, um, I don't know, camaraderie, the spirit of it. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah. Well, and you brought us stuff for end war too, right? Like the stuff in the, the center of the field. Oh yeah. I don't know where that, I think it's gone, but that's all right. <laughs> it's just bins yeah. and camo netting, but yeah. I mean, you still have camo netting and bins. What's that? Oh, I got I got plenty of all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's like you have a ton <laughs> I don't know of it out there. Yeah. So yeah. I will say an interesting thing. Since then, we have actually started putting more barricades directly in the center of the field. Oh no way. Yeah, and that's like what we're doing too. We do little iterative changes every time we play it. It's interesting to see like where you put stuff and like how often people will go there. Like you put something in the middle, people find like that's where they want to get to. Mm-hmm. And you guys were having some kind of uh, yeah. You guys had a good practice route. Um, specifically just... about the cover in particular, um, and about move. Oh, oh, there, there they we are. go. Can you hear us? Hey, did you, have you been hearing us? 
Yeah, 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 we can hear you. Okay, cool. Okay, good. Uh, about the cover in particular, that's one of the things that... So the format, I just want to step it back real quick. Just a review of the whole event. It was a success. It was a huge success. Everybody came away pumped. You know, the energy in the chat afterwards and the energy of the arena, um, it was it was very high, very intense. And everybody is super on board with this type of activity. Even though many of the people who showed up had very... Um, lightly modded or stock blast. Some people even used a, a, a stock blaster, which was crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, the energy and the excitement behind playing and getting out there and being able to develop a strategy, um, it was great. High energy, high excitement, and we want to keep that carrying into the next thing, the next yeah. event. Um, yeah. One thing that we did struggle with was cover, though. It's something that, as you're talking about, you've tweaked it every time. We did one tweak after the first round, I think. Maybe one round in, we did a tweak where we had um, opposing barrels on about the center line. So it was a yeah. series of four barrels in the center. And then what we did was we turned them into two, into sort of um, a diagonal, two barrels on each side in a diagonal with a gap down the center. And that changed it a little bit, but it didn't necessarily change it in the right way. So yeah. we still have to play with alternate routes to move about the center line. We're kind of running into the issue of being stuck on the center line. And we're going to change it next time. You know, it'll just be an iterative process until we find what works. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah, I was talking to I Tim think- about how, like, we have these big platforms that are, like, you can go on and shoot down at people, but they're not bolted in the ground. We do have, like, some things that are, like, just an angled wood structure that's just like a base those are bolts in the ground but if we have enough people we can move things around and i think that'll help going down the the borders and stuff right. like that yeah yeah but. getting people to be in the center we've even talked about putting um cover directly in the center and putting our pikachu hat flag on on the on the cover in the center which might be the yeah. way to go at least to provide i love the pikachu hat by the way <laughs> yeah. that was what i like so you guys had a little bit of live coverage that we could see and that was one of the things that i saw and i was like yes this is like true atomic spirit because our hat is you know my son wears a lot of your son our son he does this all the time and he forgets that like i carried him for nine months you weren't sitting there for like five minutes so like anyway so yeah our our hat was the first time we played we totally forgot that we had to actually have a flag in the middle. So we had kind of a uh, like an emergency moment of like, oh my gosh, who, who's going to put a flag? What are we going to use? And he had this pink Superman hat on at the time, and he dropped it in the middle, and that's been our hat ever since. He so won that, that hat at Six Flags, too. Like, that was yeah. like a thing that he won there, and he's like, all right, I'll throw the hat. Yeah, <laughs> so we've just nice. used it ever since. So the fact that you guys had like a, a hat, let alone it being Pikachu, I know. like it was, it was really perfect. It was awesome. So the choice of the hat was um, a conscious choice in the fact that I had seen the way it played in your games and the way yeah. that you can put it on your head and the, the mm-hmm. active because ru- the active runner is not safe. I feel like in this game mode, if you have the hat, you're not, you are a target for sure but you're oh, yeah. definitely up against people on the other side and you cannot give up any mobility or function, uh, functional um, tactical capability to shoot at people because you, mm-hmm. need to, you need to keep yourself going. And that was something that the hat does so well and better than anything else because anything you could fit in a dump pouch restricts people who don't want to carry a dump pouch. Then you require yep. another piece of gear. Everyone's got a head uh, who's you know alive and they have uh 
they could fit a <laughs> they'll probably fit a hat that's set to a larger size. So that was the yeah. goal there, and it's perfect. It works great. The Pikachu, um, I mean, I like Pokemon, but I saw that hat and I was like, this is freaking adorable, and these ears look highly grabbable. Realistically, it's got these yeah. ears sticking out of it, and I was like, yep, yep, someone can grab that on the run. So yeah, uh, yeah, that'll stay with the uh, with the group. That's you know, awesome. It'll be a good one. Um, Tim, you I, you were trying to say something, and we were, did you have? Do you remember what you were going to say? I don't. Okay, that's cool. That's my short attention span. No big deal. But the uh, <laughs> the overall event was a big success. We just want to know, like, so ours is is coming off of we're coming out of a stage that you guys have already passed because we were able to sort of stand on top of the groundwork, the baseline, and the achievements that you guys have already done. Um, in the setting up of the whole thing. What uh, what do you see in your hindsight? That can you think of anything from hindsight that would help us, or something that might be a useful tip for anyone out there trying to set up a similar type of event? Um, I mean, Nisha? honestly, like not everyone has the opportunity that you guys have for an indoor venue. You yeah. guys had the venue. That is one of the biggest things for groups to kind of figure out where your home base is. Because once you figure out where your home base is, then you can figure out if you even need insurance. You know, some venues actually cover that. Some don't. And, you know, we spent Connor's a lot of time going. Here. What's that? I have insurance. I was like, Connor's sweating. <laughs> yeah. we it's it's not super cheap. but Oh, no, no. And, and yeah. I'm not saying the insurance is cheap, but yeah. as coming from a club oh, yeah. rather than a venue, you know, like there's, there's really basic things that lay the framework for the success of your league. And if your league's not worried about where they're going to play, there's more logistical and smack type, you know, talk happening rather than like, okay, what are we going to do? So that is a huge part of it. Um, I mean, just from my perspective, planning perspective, just I don't know what we would have done different differently. I think everything. So everything has kind of like, I don't know, kind of very interestingly fallen into place. So, but strategically, I mean, yeah, like strategic. Like we've pushed it that way, but like we never, we never really <clears throat> intended to consistently do like pickup teams. A lot of things fell into place, but we didn't have a huge expectation of what this was going to be from the start. Mm -hmm. It was, hey, we are friends. We want to play. We know people that would want to play. Let's get this ball rolling. And what are our bare price of admission kind of things to get started? And then it just kind of grew from there. And now we're, you know, thinking about mm -hmm. new member acquisition and like how we're going to do that in an organic way that still gets the buy-in of yeah, the feel of what we yeah. have in the small group, but getting it bigger to the point where we could do some pickup games here and there and have a little bit of extra fundage to play with for the league. I think the key is to be flexible. You so <laughs> like whatever whatever you guys do that's going to be flex that's going to be successful is going to be different than what we do. Like our venue is different, our people are different, our cover is that like everything is so different and one of the big things that we really wanted with Ion and this goes back to the simple thing is if you have if you if the thing you start with is super simple the thing that you end up with can be anything, right? So we tailor and we iterate every single event that we have um, in order to satisfy, like, you know, one game, our, our cover may be super sniper heavy. So and then we kind of tweak that. So, like, and, and it, we're in a constant battle, not battle, but we're in a constant, like, we play with balance, so, like, tweaking the cover and stuff is, like, what happens if we take some sniper away? What happens if we take some front end away? Like, it's a constant tweak, you And know? It's, it's been that way every single event. Yeah. Like, every, between every single game, we 
loop back around and the three of us chat about how yeah. did it feel? How did the flow feel? Like, I don't look at the statistics whatsoever. I, I, I do enough math on my end of things that I don't need to do it for the league. Yeah. Uh, and that's, that's Steven and Pablo's thing. But just seeing how the game flows and how many matches we're getting in and what everyone's wanting to play. It, it's just, it's been ever-changing. I mean, we just brought the coins out for this last event, and this is the last, mm -hmm. that was the last match of our season. So there, it, it's, it, the flexibility is key. It really, yep. really is. Yep. Speaking of flexibility, I have to go get our kids dinner because it's 7.15 and I'm being bad mom on a school night. So I apologize, guys, but I gotta yeah, go good. Fine. It's all good. Yeah, thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate all the input and the uh, insights. And, uh, and now the, we have... The faces. Yeah, not that our Beautiful. listeners can hear can see your faces, but well, I know. actually they can on Instagram, I believe. You're on <laughs> our Instagram story. It probably is what crashed the whole first yeah. part. Yeah. <laughs> One step too That's far. All right. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye, Jackie. Next time, uh, when there's time, we'd love to have a so I know, hydro dipping discussion. Oh, we'll yeah. That. I would Jackie's have loved hydro to dips are amazing. Yeah. So I know you talk about like having like the ideas of having set barriers and all that stuff. Do you ever think about giving like the players like maybe like so at the dark club, what I have is I have like set barriers basically, but I also have those Costco stackable bins to like let teams do whatever they want with. Like each team has like nine bins and like, do you ever like think of like doing like letting the players do customization like at the dark club i even like wonder with like Could be kinda cool, with actually. you guys yeah, so yeah. like what i've done in the past with some big groups if i get a little creative is i'll so we have like a big industrial so we have like four arenas that are all divided by like industrial curtains so it's like so like when you guys did that it's two arenas opened up to one big arena mm -hmm. so what i've done with some groups in the past is i'll say all right i'm closing the curtain you guys do whatever you want on that side. They do whatever they want on that side, like kind of like no peeking kind of thing. And this is the gameplay, and I'm going to do a countdown, open the curtain, game on kind of thing. Oh, that's pretty cool. I haven't heard. Yeah. yeah. But that's I don't know if fun. there's – I'm always trying to figure out, like, what's like – so I use just Costco bins for, like, things to move around, but I'm like, what could be, like, a better, like, alternative to, like – a custom yeah i mean short of structure. actually making mobstacles like right like atomic has i i think the costco bins are a very quick and easy mm -hmm. solution for that yeah mm -hmm. you can stack them up short ways or long ways or i was just trying to think like what's like the best way that's also safe because <laughs> fabric because bins can get frame. a little dangerous because you'll sometimes get rowdy people just like just destroy bins and it's like oh, there's a face on the other side of those bins sometimes mm -hmm. and but the one thing that we do try to do consistently is mirror whatever setup we have. Yep. Because that's one thing in like a regular situation is there's always one team that feels like they had a better layout than the other team. <laughs> it's funny. So we, try, we try to rectify that by having the same layouts on either side. But, you know, again, it's, it's whatever works for you guys. Like if yeah. you find that that is a fun thing for your members to do, then... By all means, do it, you know? And, and like, our focus has, has always been on our players, too. Um, you know, it is, it's me and Jackie and TK or whatever, but <clears throat> we always have lunch or dinner afterwards, and we always chat with everybody. And, like, what did you guys think of the cover this time? So we're constantly getting feedback from not only ourselves, but from everybody that comes out and plays. Like, that's really super important, especially because... They are now paying to play. Like the SCNC is not paid at all, 
and then we ask people for 10 bucks every time they come you know to cover the venue and stuff so like we want to make sure that people feel invested in what we're doing and a lot of that is like okay you guys give us feedback we're not going to decide everything so you know it's whatever do you feel like do you have like an end goal as to like as far as like doing like potential like huge tournaments like kind of like an end war but like more of like a uh, competitive style yeah and i and i feel yeah. like that's like inevitably where it's going yeah all right that's that's the ultimate vision so the ultimate vision is like a a national event <clears throat> where you would get a bunch of teams together from different regions around the country and stuff um that i don't know i don't know when that's gonna happen because that's that's a big deal for sure and that, that's a lot of um you know you guys are are making it happen though i'll tell you that because like the first step towards something like that happening is watching other clubs do the same thing that we're doing and if you get enough people to all go play ion rush at the same time in a very similar fashion then eventually everybody already knows what they're doing and then when you're like hey we're gonna do a big national ion rush tournament everybody's like oh We've already got teams made. We know yeah. what we're doing. Let's do it. Let's let's do this. So a lot of it is getting Iron Rush into the hands of clubs to try it and going through that process. Like you guys were saying, everybody left the arena totally pumped to play more. Absolutely. Like the key is just to get as many people to go through that process as possible. And then we can start putting on tournaments and stuff. For sure. Obviously the first the first natural step is to do like a regional one. Oh yeah. Like we haven't even done like a an atomic tournament yet. We're just kind of playing, we're just learning. And I think that I don't know if this is an aside, but like that's where we are with competitive nerf right now. Like the whole community, nobody really knows what they're doing. Like Jengular has played for a few years and they kind of get the whole thing, but I think it's new to a lot of people. So a lot of this that I'm saying of like be very flexible of what you're doing is because nobody really knows what they're doing. And like us tweaking every time we play is trying to educate people on how to play Nerf competitively because it's a totally different thing for people. It's a different feel. It's a different, you know, play out of the actual games and stuff. So I think everybody's learning how to do it right now. And then, you know, once people get it and they figure it out, then then we'll get together and we'll we'll throw down. It'll be awesome. Oh yeah, you have a Detroit time. invasion. Yeah. yeah, no, I I I'm really bummed. I miss so I missed the let um the event because I had a family thing going on. But I've always been very curious, like throwing in a competitive aspect. Like, does that how is the atmosphere changed? Is it like a little more serious? Is it too serious? No. Do people get no? It's a, still pretty. Do people get hard. like a little too competitive? But. It sounds like it was not yeah, at we, all. Like it was a good atmosphere. It was good. My favorite, not my favorite part, but one of my memorable things, you can hear it on the live stream. So there was um, one individual who was there who had never nerfed before and was very um, camera shy. They, I don't, I don't fully understand the whole situation, but basically the reason our live streaming didn't point in certain directions was because this individual did not want to be filmed and broadcast. And mm-hmm. um, they so there's a, a piece of the live stream, if you catch it, uh, where you hear someone or you see someone run for the flag and then you hear them like screaming and slam into the wall on the other side. And they're like, <laughs> and they're just like, yeah, bam, they slam the wall. And that's Sam like scoring a flag run. I and think it's he ended the, up on oh, his nice. back, yeah. 
He, no, no, no. He no? just like ran full speed into the wall, oh. into the end zone. Oh, okay. He was fine. <laughs> no, he did it on purpose. I'll so. let you guys know what walls are breakable. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know if you've seen on the... So, yeah, it was that one. <laughs> so I got two halves of this like, building, and the one half, ha- there's a few... <laughs> holes in the walls which i've literally just like duct tape like some foam padding yeah. over to make it look not like <laughs> wall like holes in the wall but there are a couple there are a couple of just drywall walls that will like absolutely a human will go through it was that so, wall gotta... <laughs> it was. It did. no there were some pretty great flag rushes at a few points yeah um, but basically, yeah, <laughs> need like that. The the Pikachu is going to be need replaced by like a a helmet. Yeah, <laughs> <Maybe>. Put a <laughs> helmet. <on. laughs> yeah, the but that particular you can hear that on the live stream, but you can't see it. Um, the whole and I've never seen this guy Sam. He's a quiet guy. I've never seen him like yell or scream or anything like that when we played Nerf before. It brings out that type of energy in people. Nice. And in terms yeah. of competitiveness, so. About the environment, let's talk about the environment real quick. The environment was was positive. Everybody was learning. Um, there was a little bit of downtime in between matches. I got to say, we're a little slow to get going. Um, that's one of the things, getting people into the box and like forcing a countdown to game start uh, definitely affected. Uh, it, it, it just, people didn't listen or didn't care. So that's the one negative. Let me get that out of the way. That'll um, get better next time, by the way. The second time you do it, totally different. Yeah. Okay. Because now people have gotten that little taste, and now they're gonna want to get it, get right, into that box. Right. Okay. So I keep going. Yeah. No, it's good. Good point, though. Um, or interesting point. I hope it works out that way. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he was so wrong. Yeah. <laughs> oh, blame the FDL. No. Um, but the the people were the energy was good, and I think that uh, also we don't have a ton of. Um, like super athletic people so the energy waned from time to time just because we were running a lot and people were running quite a bit um and to catch our breaths yeah i gotta catch our breaths but one of my favorite things was um part of the atomic dart league one of the rules you guys have is that um out players who are out can uh encourage the players who are in and the way that this arena is set up there is a netting dividing sort of the the uh the waiting area the seating area however you want to call it where the where people um go to refill you know restock their mags things like that or have you know cake and pizza in a normal party situation well what we were doing is we go on the outside and start yelling at our teammates that someone was moving giving them tactical advice and you know letting them know where people were making moves and things like that and people were very into that. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> very on purpose. When I have my like private parties, especially adult parties, like half of the atmosphere is people screaming at people in the arena, yeah. and it's <laughs> it's my favorite part. And I was like, so, so a lot of people are like, why don't you do like a laser tag situation where you have multiple levels, like you know, maze and stuff? I'm like, people have to see what's going on. Mm-hmm. People yeah. have to be like, it's it's a big atmosphere where you're like screaming at people who are playing if you're already out like it's yeah, fun it's yeah. a different atmosphere nothing against like that type of setup but that's what i'm going for so i'm glad you guys got to experience that yeah it was awesome yeah, yeah it was perfect it was great yeah. yeah so that was going on um the one thing that is really another interesting thing atmosphere wise when you're in the field is there's so much um, opaque cover with all these solid wood walls that you don't necessarily know where people are. So the other team yelling and providing tactical data to whoever's still up is super important. I mean, realistically, if you get out first, you should be going to the the net and watching and giving advice 
from the outside, basically coaching. So everybody who's a player should also be able to coach. Now, from the side I wonder, because you're using the whole place, I wonder if we should have like a, a center line for in the lobby party area where a team can't cross that line, maybe. We may have to investigate that. We'll see how it goes. It wasn't used all the time. Okay. People definitely were like, uh, you know, tired or, okay. or whatever sometimes. Yeah. So it wasn't used all the time, but it was used very... Um, not violently. What's what would you? How would you describe that? Energetically. Yeah. yeah. Sure. There it. you go. <laughs> Man, I wish I missed. So I, that's I, a rule that we've kind of like. We when we started, we said no, you can't say anything to your teammates. Mm-hmm. Um, because we didn't really know how to deal with that. Like after the, I think first, that's what paintball does, right? Where you you're not once you're on the sideline, you can't talk. Yeah. Right. Or yeah. Something. Technically, and we did that for a couple games, thinking that that was like the right thing to do. Um, but then we realized, like, this is supposed to be a spectator version of, of something. So, like, think about your soccer moms or whatever, right? They're going to be, if, if there is a kid on your team, you know, his mom is going to be up in the stands screaming at everybody. Like, why doesn't your team get to do that too? So, yeah, we turned that around and we, we encouraged that. The thing that we do have our eyes out for is sort of what you guys are talking about with having a halfway point. Like the last thing that you want is somebody on the other team feeding their, the opposite team misinformation. Because mm. that yeah. will destroy a game. I've actually done that myself to my own team. Like I have been standing on the sideline and said, you know, go, go, go. He's out of ammo. Meanwhile, I'm watching the guy who just said is out of ammo pull another mag out of like his back pocket and refill, and then watch the person that I was coaching just get taken out. So like, it's it's funny how that works. It is a huge distraction for the players actually, because like when I have adult groups, and it's so funny. You'll have a t- guy on his team. He's like thinking he's helping the guy out, and he's yelling something to someone. Like they're under a platform. They'll throw like a blaster at them, or like from off the side i'm sure that's not not okay no. people do that sometimes field, oh yeah though. people will, like get get out and they'll take like their artemis off the field and then like they'll have a teammate that's still in and be like hey and they like throw it at them and they're they're like don't know what's going on they just hear a noise and it's a huge distraction and someone just like shoots them <laughs> like it's funny how like a lot of people from the sidelines are actually a big distraction for like the actual yeah. players because they're like what are yeah. you saying and then they're out yeah then they get done <laughs> done in Oh, Which is pretty. It's it's pretty entertaining to watch, yeah. though, being like just someone who's like not really officiating, but like. But that's also a factor yeah. that could influence a good team over a bad team. This is true. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. Interesting, Interesting tactics. Yeah. Code names and. One one of the things that we never did, but I saw is in the rules for Atomic Dart League, is that you can leave your blaster and your ammo on the field. You can. I like that. You that's... can leave your your um, your blaster open for someone else to pick up and i never saw that used anywhere have you ever seen that get used not really yeah i don't think we've seen that a lot now i've that's... seen people like leave mags and stuff on the field yeah um but not necessarily blast i mean they'll leave a blaster for themselves right so you get like the calibern guys who you know their calibern's gonna break halfway through yeah. a match <laughs> uh they'll have something else as a backup that they'll leave there or something um but yeah we haven't gotten into the like i'm gonna slide you a blaster and i think we're still learning also like so a lot of times we say like we have a 50 dart cap per person but it's actually 250 for the full team yeah right so i think the next the next thing for our teams to start learning too is how to distribute and 
we ran into that the the one match yep. where I ran my FDL because I, I stuck mostly to the caliber in which mine whoever printed mine did a really good job because knock on wood it has not broken yet but uh, the one match where I did run my FDL um, Pete Fuzzy Pete handed me a 22 and another guy handed me a 12 so I was running with like 80 some rounds uh, yep. because they knew I was going to be spewing a lot more I love that strategy I love yeah. that there's like you got to get with your team probably yeah. and just be like, all right, like how we yeah. divvy and, this up. And, you know, and it, it, the next match around, one of the other guys tried to hand me a mag, but I was using my caliber at the time and I was running short darts in that. And I was like, oh, I can't use those. So you also got to take into account what dart types your teammates are Wait, using. you can't shoot short darts? Well, I I, I could have, but or my shoot, scar shoot. my scar was dialed in for half lengths. Oh, if only you had one of my scars where you could right? just crank it open right? and it doesn't matter what darts you shoot. <laughs> Ah, but uh, so that I, wasn't you know, a leading question. We had to, uh, you know, think about okay. I'm using full, full links. He's using half links. Oh, mm-hmm. this person's using rival this round. So that's another element to sharing the ammunition. Hmm. Yep. I like it. That's cool. Yeah. I, and and then one more thing on ammunition. Yep. I know the rule set allows for mm-hmm. sock bombs. Do you guys see that quite a bit? Because we didn't have any of that yep. at our first one. That's basically been since last game. Not even this recent game, but the game before that. Jackie and I were actually out in Washington, <clears throat> so we missed that game. <clears throat> but I did see somebody sent me a video at the very end of that game, and it was somebody pulling a sock out and sock bombing somebody. That's awesome. So it has never it has never not been in our rules, but I think we added it in order to say, like, hey, this is totally cool. And we've done that with a few things, by the way. Like a lot of our the, the rules that we have added are like to encourage silly things like that. Mm-hmm. Like, yes, you can sock bomb. And then there was the, the one guy at End War who had one leg and had a prosthetic leg. Oh, Le- yeah. Legolas. Remember yeah, that guy? Legolas, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so we actually, and because he, he came up to TK before he played, and he said, hey, is it okay if I remove my prosthetic before I play? So we actually added into the rule set, like, it is okay to remove prosthetic limbs before you take I noticed the that. field, like, a lot of stuff like that we've added in. It's funny. I didn't realize that was from him, but I noticed that that was in the rules. Yeah, but I, I think the sock bomb thing is great because, you know, most mags are not in a, in a um, account where it adds up to 50. So, you know, you can do four 12s, and then you can throw two sock bombs in to get your full ammo count. Yep. So that, that's a yeah, nice I mean, the uh, one, bridge. The one thing we do watch for, and people did ask about sock bombs at End War, is like, a sock better not be the reason that I have to redo a piece of cover at the end of the day. Yeah. Right? Like, if you're going to do a sock bomb, cool, toss it. But I don't think, like, a sock ninja would really work out. I was too just well. going to ask about sock yeah. ninjas because we don't see those at, no one does that for z13 there's no. literally like get prepared for end war and there's gonna be people with throwing socks yeah. and i was like all right and then you show up and there's like people right. <laughs> that are hardcore no sock yeah. Ninjas. yeah i mean there, yeah. there's like there's three main categories i think of hvz there's the, there's the hardcore tactical gear people which i think is mostly what we have here in detroit <coughs> there's the sock ninjas and then there's the people who just go all kind of crazy kind of like uh, buff daddy nerf and 
you know, the, the person who goes on the field with a stock stampede or whatever. I'm thinking about going goofy next year. Yeah. And if I get out, then I'll do zombie stuff because I didn't get a chance to really experience we're, the zombie situation. We're going to do something like that probably. The, the, it might be a proton pack, but then, like, be more aggressive or it might be something fun and goofy. Connor, I think you just need to run the secret shot the entire time. Oh, I forgot, but I bought it. I know. I, I got saw. it in. It's uh, at my apartment. It's like the one Nerf blaster I have at my apartment. Con- Connor's going to mod purse. his first blaster, and it's going to be the secret shot, the Rebel Purse ba- blaster. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm thinking only ridiculous blasters for End War next year. And if that's I get you know, if I get turned into a zombie, that's fine. Either that or he's going to mount two Prometheuses on his shoulders. And, yeah. Or and, something and way really ob- obnoxious. No straps or anything, just... <laughs> just dual wielding yeah. so my wife wants the prometheus and i told her it was on sale and she's like it was well, 90 we bucks we don't need it and i was like you're yeah. the one who wanted it but i was like you want to buy it right you know you want to buy it yeah you want to spend your money to buy it it just we, looks it just i, I literally have, just use it for you have allowances we do that too yeah control that's smart at least you have like a significant other to like stop you from doing something me i'm like uh i can do whatever i want i'm like yeah but it's also still not Oh. Not okay. Yeah, you know, you have good self-control. I, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> That's the best reaction. Okay, so um, let's let's end with a, a slightly controversial topic about adding new oh. things in the future. Adding new things? By the way, how, how are we doing on time? This I is know. just, this is a little... Uh, oh, f- I actually have been... It uh, doesn't even matter. Um, but... Something slightly controversial is adding new things to... It's roughly going to be like an hour and a half episode, probably. Oh, okay. We need a long one anyways, so... Um, it gives us time to build up a buffer or something. Um, <laughs> but new things. HPA is particularly what I had in mind and the discussion around HPA. Um, but also, you can take the idea of HPA and, and say anything new for example like whenever someone comes out with a stampede that shoots like a caliburn um you know it's the kind of thing that's going to happen in the future and just a matter of time but what are you doing breaking stuff studio is broken (laughs) tim's out of detroit dart talk and uh tom's never here so just me and eric (laughs) it's a counter and eric show But yeah, so adding things like HPA, you guys are taking um, sort of what appears to be a public poll on the option, but also having internal discussions on the option. Um, is that yeah. that's a case by case basis, as I understand it? Am I correct in th- saying that? Yeah, the um, the thing that spawned our conversation recently is we have a player who typically runs a caliber, mm-hmm. um, but he injured his arm recently. Um, so he's looking for basically a caliber and level of power without having to pump it, mm. which, you know, HPA falls into that. Um, I have mixed feelings on HPA in general as like a player, as like a blaster designer and stuff like that. Like, I think it's really cool and it's only a matter of time before like I have, I put my hands on something HPA related um, from like, a league organizer perspective, it terrifies the shit out of me. Sorry for the... Oh, no. It's okay. It's, it's okay. Yeah, it's good. It is... gone to bed by now. <laughs> yeah. It is... Um, I haven't personally seen a lot of HPA builds. You know, so I... Like, I have a broad idea of what goes into one and how one works, and it's it's a paintball marker, right? So, yeah, like... it is. It's all it is. Funny. We all know how those work. So... 
it's a little scary because from a nerf perspective we're still in a in an age where um everybody's making their own thing so like if you suddenly have like a thousand pound tank or you know however much pressure goes into like a an hpa tank and you come out with like a homemade blaster with that in it as an organizer that kind of worries me because it's like i don't know necessarily what went into that build if you did things properly if something's going to blow up in your face like it's just very new and because of that it's a little alarming and i had sort of hoped that we would have that conversation but maybe down the line a little further so um yeah you it's know it's almost like you need like your own like a separate game for just well, home, would, home, homebrew kits. As far as but, I'm concerned, it's going to destroy the meta of the game. Everyone's going to have to move to yeah. HPA, and then it's only the people who can afford it slash have the technical knowledge are going to be yeah. the ones to adopt it, and they'll have a very unfair advantage right. at that point. Yeah, I mean that is that is a very very big concern too. I'm trying like Stephen and Jackie and I are trying to not have that be like the forefront discussion, but that is a very big thing too. You know, like being the guy who introduced the FDL into Nerf, right? And everybody was like, oh, the FDL breaks everything. I was like, you mean you, the guy who ruined Nerf? Yeah, right? <laughs> so it's, Nerf funny, it. it's funny to kind of be on the other end of that and like being worried about a blaster that has no disadvantages outside of you have to carry a tank around with you. Yeah. Like you get the rate of fire that you get with a flywheel for the most part. And then you get the power and the accuracy that you get from a Springer. Like, it's really the ultimate blaster right there. And there is a very good chance that that changes the meta of everything in the exact way that you're talking about. Like, if you are the type of person that has $1,000 at your disposal, of course you're going to go get that. And then what about the next guy that wants to have a blaster like yours, but maybe doesn't have that $1,000? Maybe they go and they create their homemade thing and the homemade thing blows up or whatever. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah stored energy it's, yeah yeah it's just a lot of new it's a lot of new technology and <clears throat> i know there's been a been a big push from that from australia and other other regions of the world for a few years now and I, you know we are just stepping back we're going to educate ourselves i would in many ways like to either over you know look at somebody else's hpa build or potentially put together one for myself just to see mm-hmm. what goes into it and stuff so I, mean, I can tell you from our experiences. So we, in general, HPA, we ban HPA in the outdoor uh, wars that we have. Um, yep. The, based on, I believe Sam says, based on sound signature and energy store. I'm not sure what his exact words are, but um, indoor, there's nothing against it, except we have FPS caps that don't really make it worthwhile for the most right. part. But uh, one thing that we did, we saw it on sort of a smaller, not a smaller scale, but a step back in our uh, Atomic Dart League, Detroit Dart League practice, was that there were two Caliburns. Tim and myself both brought our Caliburns. Everybody mm-hmm. else left theirs at home for whatever reason. And there were only two in play at any time. What we did is we always put ourselves on opposite teams. Now, with that in mind, I, the randomness is what makes the Atomic Dart League, um, you know, it makes it pick up a bull, you could say, or whatever. But if people end up getting... Um, these type of blasters in hand more commonly in the future because they're not going to be common at first but one of the things you could consider and (coughs) maybe one of the things we'll have to see how we move forward and consider 
is saying um, putting a limit on uh, a mixed limit on the teams where you're only allowed to have one HPA blaster per side. Doesn't matter who takes it, but you have to figure out as a team who takes it. Kind of like how you were talking about Foam Dart Thunder um, putting a Nemesis one on each team. That's a good um, a good balance or good framework for uh, pre preventing overpowered blasters from taking over. Um, yep. It's what we did when we played, and it worked great. I thought for the most part, not always, but for the most part, we had balanced teams, even with people playing with stock or near-stock blasters. Um, the balance was always winnable and potentially fair. Yeah. Um, and I think someone who would bring in a blaster like that, they got to understand the situation. Like, yeah, they, they so. got to. I mean, like, yeah. you can't just show up with something that's, like, so out of control that you're like, oh, I'm just, this is going to be totally fine. <laughs> like, yeah. Like I, I understand. People can admire it and stuff, and you can like <laughs> do something with it. But when it comes time to gameplay, like, yeah, I feel like they gotta understand. It's yeah. But this, and if they don't, then it's something we all gotta learn how to handle. That's why the rules are gonna have yeah. to be in place. Whenever you guys decide on it, you know, I'm sure we'll all know. And we'll hear about it, and um, yeah, and we'll like we'll I, keep you guys posted too if like something. <laughs> Like that happens and how we handle it. And yeah, the communication. But it it, it sounds like ways. the FPS cap and just I don't know. Maybe, yeah, just putting something in the guidelines ahead of time. Just being like, listen, yep. something like this can't. Just don't bring it. You can bring it to show off, but like, don't shoot people with it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think one of our big considerations too is going back to what's the vision. You know, is it like a national event or something like that? If there was to be a national event, it would probably be outside. It would probably be in a semi-public space. It would probably be in a space that didn't allow HPA. So if you are coming from an organization that allows HPA and you send a team to a national event or like a whatever big event that does not allow it, then you have to consider like how what is that like sending a team that's used to using a blaster that they can't use? Yep. You know, so that is, that's a little bit of our, of, of the consideration there too. And that's almost like a, like a consider this, you know? Yeah. I think it's just thing. a big communication thing. Like with our yeah. club, obviously like mm -hmm. if the national thing inevitably probably happens so wherever it's going to happen, mm -hmm. if we're going to be training for it or if a team's going to be training for it, like, Obviously, like train, train both ways, or like train with what? Yeah. Like, yeah. like train Schmain. I want to show yeah. up and draw tokens out of the bag to see who's going to be on my team for that oh, match. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. I do love the tokens. That's cool. Yeah, I think that makes a fun aspect to it, and it helps it so that nobody feels left out either. Oh. Uh oh. Yep. Uh oh. Well, what am I doing Friday? I don't I, know. I was gonna say you got a hot date going on. <laughs> Connor's getting messages. I wish. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, but yeah, so that's looking to the future, and I think that's a good... We've been talking about this for a long time, yeah. and we've been taking up your time for a while, and we really appreciate it. So is there anybody you want to shout out or anything you want to bring attention to, um, give you the opportunity, you know, maybe FDL? I mean, I'm not here to advertise FDL. <laughs> um, it, it's uh, We had hoped that TK would be here tonight. You know, TK1138 is our, our third person. And what's up, TK? Yeah. You know, if you guys want, um, if you want to see, like, cool atomic footage, a lot of that exists on his channel, so the TK1138 Nerf channel right now. Um, we are slowly moving to having that on, like, an atomic YouTube channel. 
which I will shout that out actually. Like a lot of that content exists on his channel. We are starting to set up an atomic channel. So if you guys want to see atomic footage or like live streams or anything, we're going to try to do that on an Atomic Dart League YouTube channel. So go subscribe to that. That's awesome. Smash the like nice. button. Go subscribe is, to it. <laughs> is that live, by the way, um, the Atomic Dart League channel? Is it public? The, U the, the, YouTube, you the YouTube channel. Sorry, we, we cut, cut out for just yeah. a second there. Because um, I saw a link in, a, in an Instagram post, and I couldn't copy and paste it because Instagram. And yep. uh, I couldn't find it Googling, like or not Googling, going on YouTube and searching for it. So I'm pretty sure it's live. So the thing that we ran into is we tried to stream from it uh, at this past game, and you have to have a certain number of subscribers before you can do a live stream. <clears throat> so, yeah, this is our big push of, like, get us enough scoops subscribers so that we can actually do a live stream from it um but i'm pretty sure it's live. atomic dart league yep there you go 21 you subs all right yeah. make that 22 22 it is Sweet. well maybe we can drop a link to that um in some of our either instagram or post just to to get that out yeah. there because i know i couldn't find it when i looked for it but uh, obviously it's up right now so that's perfect yeah when we post this episode we'll put that in our description link we'll say link in description it's yeah, a good idea I mean, uh, you'll start seeing that link soon, too. We're going to do, like, a little bit of a subscriber campaign at some point in the next couple months. So. Sweet. Okay. Good deal. Fantastic. What about you guys? Anything uh, you want to throw out there? No, my, nope. my bladder is maxed out Me here. Me, too. So I'm, <laughs> I'm feeling the same way. So don't forget to follow us, Detroit Dart Talk, on Instagram, where we post regular pictures, projects, behind-the-scenes content, including a few live Instagram videos that yeah. uh, Connor was putting up on there while we were uh, recording. And leave us some feedback on iTunes and Stitcher. Let us know how we're doing. And if you uh, want to hear anything different, we always take Q&As. We'll get to them in the next uh, Q&A episode, so feel free to drop those wherever we can find them, and we'll address them at the, the next Q&A. So for Connor, Tim, and Jesse and Jackie of Project FDL, this is Eric, and we'll see you guys on the next episode. Take care, everyone. <laughs>